Welcome to Shining Bright, the Farm Her radio show all about women doing great things. Women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. Women following their passion, taking action, and making a difference for themselves and others. Join me, Margie, as your host on Shining Bright by Farm Her. Welcome to Shining Bright today. So today's episode is going to be spent talking to and about women who are in the business side of agriculture. So to give you a little glimpse of why this is near and dear to my heart, um, let's rewind back a number of years, actually a whole lot more years than I probably care to admit. But um, while I grew up mostly in the country, I went to college for graphic design, journalism and photography. Surprise there. And then I immediately started working for an insurance company because A, that's what you do in central Iowa. We have a lot of insurance here. And B, um, I needed a job and I found one at a company called Rain and Hail. So I made my career over the next 11 years there. And I had a goal of like climbing that ladder. I was a woman in the agribusiness industry, um, even though I never thought about myself as that at the time. Um, I didn't join any networks. I didn't uh, do anything specifically as a woman in the agribusiness industry. And honestly, I don't really think that there was anything like that at the time. Um, So over those 11 years, I had five different positions there. I worked my way to what was the risk manager when I left. And um, so while I felt very strongly that insurance for farmers and ranchers in this country is a very important safety net. It wasn't for me anymore. And so I took that opportunity to leave and voila, here we are with Farm Her, right? So I tell you that because women who work in agriculture, who find themselves working in a job that is so closely related to food production and all of the culture that goes along with agriculture, I think is a very common thing. And many times, maybe a lot like me, these women might have some part or piece of their history or their background that has agriculture in it. Like maybe, you know, your uncle farmed or maybe your great grandpa farmed, or maybe you used to go to your aunt's farm on the weekends in the summer or something like that. But a lot of times we find ourselves working in this industry and not super um, knowledgeable or familiar with how it works. And so there are these awesome networks out there of women. I have seen so many of them throughout the years. We have one right here in central Iowa, a group of women who work for a company called Nationwide. If You might have heard it. Nationwide is on your side. They're an insurance company, surprise, right here in Des Moines. And um, they, just like all of the women that I was talking about and myself included, found themselves as women working in the agriculture industry. And a lot of them, again, didn't have an agriculture background, don't farm today, you know, don't have that connection. So they have kind of banded together and created a group where they can learn with each other, where they can kind of have this positive environment of growth and networking. And it's so cool. Uh, But I... I do know that we're going to continue to see more and more women in this industry. There's going to be, uh, we've seen numbers of, you know, job growth that's just huge in the ag industry. And the numbers of young women who are coming out of ag degree programs are on the rise. They're over 50% in many of the land grant universities. And so uh, we know that there's these women out there and they're going to roll into this workforce. They already are. And, um, you know, so it's just a growing thing. So we're going to be talking to a few women today who kind of fall into that role. First off, we're going to be talking to Jessie Atchison, and she will tell you all about herself, but she has landed 
at a company called Tillable. But Jessie does not have a background in farming. She married into a family that does have some. So she's just got that, you know, that little piece, like so many of us where, you know, this little spark, this little interest that kind of led down this windy road. And she took her marketing ability and technology ability and landed at this company where she's working directly with farmers. And then we're going to jump over to Danny Dvorak, who works for Syngenta. And Danny is somebody who we recently uh, met and she was on a panel at our I Am Farm Her conference. And she's just one of these really inspiring women. She is from Brazil originally. And, um, you know, an interest in STEM led her into the plant science field and um, a growing interest led her into the United States and she stayed and she got married and started her family here. And now she is a very, very important piece of the um, plant science equation for Syngenta right here in the Midwest. So any of you out there who grow uh, beans or corn, maybe that uh, is uh, through Syngenta, you know, she's one of those driving factors behind so many parts and pieces of that. So she's on the soybean breeding team. And we're going to hear more about her story, her role as a woman in this industry. Um, but the bottom line is these women have a voice and they have a strong voice. And I always say, if you can see it, you can go do it. Hey, young women out there listening, pay attention to these two stories. They're somewhat winding paths, but they have both led these women to roles in this industry, which may not be what you would think about when you think about agriculture, but they're doing really cool things. They're making change for people. They're putting their heart and soul into it. And they are farm hers. They are women in agribusiness and they're just nailing it. So stick with us here on Shining Bright by Farm Her. Welcome back to Shining Bright. So we have an episode today full of women who are engaged in agriculture business in different ways. And here first up, we are going to be talking with Jesse Atchison from Tillable. Jesse, welcome to Shining Bright. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So um, I would love to kick this off. Obviously, you work for an agriculture company. I would love to understand a little bit more about you and, you know, what's your background? What brought you into agriculture? What brought you into working for Tillable? And, um, you know, just just tell us who Jesse is. Well, the thing that really brought me into agriculture is that I married a farm kid. Ah, so my husband and I started dating when we were in high school, and he grew up on a, on a farm in Indiana. His parents have about 130 acres there, and they were actively farming when we started dating. So that's how I got my entry into agriculture and what it's all about. They don't currently farm anymore. They rent out their land, but that was, that was my introduction. And from that moment forward, it was just a, a culture and a lifestyle that was really appealing and interesting. And it was great to get a, a range of what it's like to try to be a farmer in America, which is a very, very hard job. Yes. And I learned things like farmers have to be engineers and financial executives and employers and salespeople and marketers and risk managers and scientists. And they also have to grow food and raise animals. So yeah. it was, it was a very eye opening experience, but Fast forward several years, and after college, I went to work for a company 
in the horticulture industry, which is sort of adjacent to agriculture. It's similar in a lot of ways. I did marketing there. Yeah. Got an idea of what it's like to be a different kind of grower, kind of in a greenhouse versus outside. And then a few more years went by. I spent some time at a marketing agency doing marketing for all kinds of different clients, not necessarily in agriculture. And then in the last year or so, I came to Tillable. And the reason I came here is because Corbett Cool, who's the founder of the company, actually uh, is a connection of my husband's. They had a successful startup together called 640 Labs, which was sold in uh, 2014. Yeah. And now it's the, they work for the Climate Corporation. Corbett left to start Tillable and needed some marketing help. And here we are. So yeah. it was nice for me to feel like I was coming home a little bit back to back to some people and an industry that had always been sort of near and dear to my heart. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes those paths are windy and you never know quite where you're, where you're going to land, right? But I um kind of like you, like I, I didn't intend to work in the agriculture industry, but through a long windy path, I found my way here and there's just really good people here. I just I always I it, I didn't set out to do this, but I feel at home here. And and I hope you feel that way too. Absolutely. Um, so let's um, change paths a little bit. So that was your background um, and a little bit about what brought you to Tillable. So tell me what Tillable is, because other than just a brief glance at the website, I am not super familiar with it. So because I'm not a farmer, you know, I'm, I'm not out there with land looking to rent land or looking to uh, put my land out there. So, you know, it's a new concept to me. So I'd love to hear about it. Well, it's a new concept to you and a new concept to almost everybody else. So Tillable is only a couple of years old. We started in 2017 and we're the first and only really true online marketplace for farmland rental. A lot of people don't know this, but the farmland rental market is quite large. It's about a $32 billion industry. Yeah. And a lot of it is very interpersonal and very local, and it lacks some efficiency and some transparency. So most landowners out there think their land is where it should be or think their rent is where it should be. Uh, but they really aren't getting the data to prove that. So they right. don't really know that for sure. That might just be and what so they're far, like talking to someone in, in their county about, right? Like they're just exactly. kind of using those local networks to figure that out. Right. And a lot of landowners don't live near their land. They've inherited. Right. They moved away. So they don't even in some cases have access to those local networks either. And then for farmers, especially young ones, if you talk to them, they'll tell you it's very difficult for them to find new land to rent. So they may not ever get a shot at a new piece of ground in their area because they never heard about it. Somebody right. knew somebody, the land got rented and they never got a chance to prove what they could do. So that's what Tillable is really out to change is to help landowners really optimize the returns on their farmland, make sure it's being managed appropriately and well, well cared for and being as productive and healthy as it can be. And then also helping these farmers find new land to rent. Yeah. So, so it sounds like there's, there's kind of this niche need out there. Is it really like a, a technology company that has engaged in agriculture to, to fill that niche need? Absolutely. What we're doing is taking a problem that exists in the industry and we're using technology to solve it. Mm -hmm. I mean, why not? We have it at our fingertips, <laughs> right? And I think there's so many things in agriculture as we've, you know, Things have modernized. Things have changed so much over the past uh, few decades, even you know that 
we have all this at our fingertips and people can access the internet so much easier and it is broadly available. So, so stuff like this, I think is going to keep popping up and just be there to help, help all of those people who want to engage in agriculture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say just making those connections is so important and really what we're able to do in today's environment where we do have technology at our fingertips and we are able to leverage these tools is really broaden horizons for people and help them find opportunities they wouldn't have otherwise known that they had. Yeah, most definitely. Well, we kind of touched on this, but it seems in rural America, most of the time, um, at least in my experience, you know, a lot of things work off those like personal relationships. Like I know Joe down the road and his wife, Nancy, you know, like we do this with them and that with them. And they told us about this lander, you know, those are the types of things that happen. And obviously you're trying to open up those, those networks a little broader, but has it been somewhat difficult because of that really like small community nature that's out there in rural America. I think what makes this interesting, and it's an interesting space for me to be in as a marketer, which is really a communications role, is that the relationship between a farmer and their landowner is so important to Mm -hmm. both sides. And our goal is really to strengthen those relationships, to add another way to help in those relationships and ensure that they're as strong as they can be. But it is difficult because things have been done the same way for a long, long time. People kind of know who they know, and they might not be thinking of, of branching out or looking at other options. So that's something that we balance all the time. But one of the reasons that Tillable came to be and that Corbett started the company, honestly, was because a friend of his had inherited some land from his grandmother and who had unfortunately passed away and had no idea what he should be doing with it. He asked Corbett for help because he had a little bit of an ag background. Mm -hmm. And in that process, they found out that this, this friend's grandmother had been under rented for years and years and years Right. with the farmer. She had a great relationship with and, and thought everything was okay. And there was just never that opportunity to have the conversation about what was really going to be fair to everybody involved. And so that's a disappointing thing. That's what we're trying to avoid is make sure that landowners are are able to feel confident about their relationships and that they're earning the income that they should from their land, but also that farmers can feel confident they're paying a fair market rent and everybody's kind of making out the best that they can. Yeah. And, and I mean, ultimately like there's all these relationships and all this, you know, heartfelt stuff that we put into agriculture, but it is a business at the end of the day and it has to be a profitable one for everybody to be able to march forward and grow all that food that we all rely on. So I love this concept. So we have more to talk about because I want to specifically delve into, you know, women landowners are on the rise and I want to talk about um, some ways that this can apply to women. So we will be right back here with Jesse in just a few minutes on Shining Bright by Farmher. everybody. This is Margie Geiler-Alanese from Shining Bright by Farmher. I want to tell you about a friend, a community member, a business owner that we really believe in. Our house was kind of a shell when we bought it and we've been working on updating and changing and adding things on. And we found a local contractor that we can trust, that we love the work that they do. And that is Remodel Works. Check them out at remodelworksdb.com. They're right here in central Iowa. You'll love them. 
Welcome back to Shining Bright. We are talking with Jesse Atchison of Tillable. And if you did not join us in the first segment, they are a technology company that has entered into the agriculture space to help farmers and uh, landowners connect, right? You know what? It struck me when I was typing out um, my uh, notes for this. It's kind of like a dating service in some ways, right? Like we're connecting people who have like-minded goals here. And so on that note, it made me wonder, um, and, and we'll get into this more, but when you're talking about women, right? Like specifically, mm-hmm. and um, when you guys pair up or you, you have people who are looking to rent their land or people who are looking to rent land, do you have ways, kind of like a dating service would, of making sure that you know what's important to that person and then that helps you make that match or is it more just based on proximity? No, it's really much more about what's going to be the best fit for both the landowner and the farmer that's involved. So the way Tillable works, the short version, is that we lease land directly from landowners. We pay them up front for the term of that lease. It could be one year or three years. And then as part of that process, we're getting to know that landowner, what's important to them about their land. Is it important to have a farmer who operates organically? Is it important to have other criteria met so that we know what they're looking for? Because it's their land and we we take our responsibility to take care of it very seriously. And then we go out and find the farmer. It could be their current farmer uh, or they might need a new one. And we're looking for a farmer who's really going to be the best fit for the goals that that landowner has while also giving that farmer an opportunity to reach the goals that they have too, to expand their operations, you know, add on to their, the land that they farm, maybe find another field nearby, whatever it might be. And what farmers do is create a profile on our, our website that outlines the things that are important to them. So we've talked to the landowner. We have an idea of what they're looking for. The farmer tells us in their profile, these are the types of operating principles that I I use. This is what's important to me. This is the kind of equipment that I use. This is the kind of reporting that I do and the data that I collect, those types of things, so that we're able to use a lot of information to make sure we're putting the right farmer on the right field. Right, which matters. I mean, especially when you talk about um, it's a term that I don't love when I say absentee. I, I feel like I need to find mm-hmm. a better word for it. But people who own land who are not right there, which is happening more and more and more. Remote. Yeah, there you go. Remote <laughs> landowners. But because um, absentee makes it sound like you did something wrong, I always feel like, right. which is not the case. But, you know, um, it, it, on that note, like here in Iowa, specifically where we are, you know, the number of women who own land is on the rise. And I always uh, tell the story of like my mother and her sisters. So there are three uh, sisters and one brother in her family. And when my grandpa passed away, that land went to his kids. And so it went from one male owning it to one male and three women owning it. So right there, you had three more women landowners. And that's happening more and more as generations change and shift. And, you know, it doesn't always just go to to the boy anymore, like it might have, like, you know, a century ago. Um, but it, and so you have more women in these roles. And I think, um, you know, you guys have a unique service when maybe you know, my mom sitting here in an urban area, not really living in that area, not really knowing who to reach out to, or, or is she getting a good deal or, or those things, you know, it's, it's really an interesting thing. And I think it probably speaks even more to women, uh, because they really do have that care of the land, not that men don't, but you know, they, they have a lot of things and they may not be sure how to make those connections. Absolutely. And I think that 
it's so true. We're seeing more and more female farmers, as you saw in the latest USDA ag census. Yes. At the same time, more and more female landowners. So the future really is female. And, and we have to work to help all of those people as they're, in some cases, entering territory that they're not familiar with. I mean, I've seen data that there are a half a million non-operating female landowners out there. So women who own Probably. farmland that they're not, they're not operating on. And they have to know that that land is being well cared for and that and that they're being fairly compensated and that right. their land is earning the way that it should, too. One of the stories that I love is we have a landowner uh, that we're working with. She is a retired lady. She lives in Florida. Her land is in Illinois, which is where Tillable is headquartered. Mm-hmm. And she had inherited the land from her father when he passed away many, many years ago. And the land had been kind of on autopilot for 40 or more years wow. with this and, and things hadn't really been paid attention to the way that they should have in terms of making sure the rent was in line, the relationship with the farmer was what it needed to be, things like that. She was in a situation where she really was not earning what she should have been earning for that farmland. It was a valuable piece of land in Illinois. Yeah. And we were able to come in and say, based on all the data available to us, this is really where we think you should be. And we're, we're ready to take on that lease and pay you that money. And for her, it was a wonderful thing because we had to work really hard to demonstrate that we're here to take care of the land where we care about sustainability and all of those things. Cause that was very important to her. The heritage of the land, that heirloom quality of the land was very important, but at the same time, she was in a situation where she really needed to be able to earn more money. And the fact that, we could take away the burden of negotiating, which for better or for worse is something a lot of us women do not grow up being taught how to do very well uh, and be able to help with that was a huge uh, component for her and gave her a lot of peace of mind. Yeah. Um, I love that you hit on that, you know, negotiating, like it, it gives me like chills just to think about that word. And, and I hate it, even though um, I just went through this class and we went through this negotiations clinic. And I even kind of shuddered thinking about how I had like, I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Like, that sounds terrible. And it was interesting how it shifted my mind a little bit in that negotiations are not a bad thing. It is just a back and forth discussion and going into it with the knowledge that you need, right? Like those negotiations, you know, and having the right team on your side can make all the difference in in that like shuddering feeling versus that, oh, okay, let's just talk about this feeling and let, let's get it going. So I agree. I think it can be scary for everyone and specifically women, just, you know, like uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, you know, <laughs> the whole like lean in all the all the things that we all know about how different we all are. Uh, it, it makes sense. And so um, I love this concept. So Am I hearing you say that, do you, do you guys typically look at yourselves more as an advocate on the landowner side or the farmer side, or is it a mix of both? It's a mix of both. At the end of the day, this only works in a two-sided marketplace if both sides are feeling like they're getting value. So we Mm -hmm. have to make sure we're keeping that in mind. The fact of the matter is though, that in this relationship of farmland rental, the landowner historically is at a disadvantage. They haven't, they don't receive the data to tell them about what's happening on their land. If they have it, they might not even know what to do with it. The farmer really holds all the information. So by by bringing that information into the light, by increasing that transparency, we're able to help everyone. The farmer gets to show what a great job they're doing and the landowner has a much better idea of what's happening with this incredibly valuable asset that they have. So both sides are absolutely important to us, but we see more of a need 
on the landowner side just because they've been underrepresented in the past. Yeah. And, and they probably aren't boots on the ground many times. Mm -hmm. So yes. Well, I love this. This has been a a wonderful conversation. So if people wanted to find Tillable and learn more, where do they go? It's very easy. It's tillable.com. That is super easy. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. So I would encourage anyone out there, if you're even thinking about it, you might as well check it out. Like with everything else in life, it never hurts to just ask and look around you and make sure that you are doing the best thing you can for your business, for your farm, for your family. And that's all that any of us can do. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us here on Shining Bright. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to remind all of you out there, if you find yourself in Iowa this week, visit us at the Iowa State Fair. We're in the Agriculture Building, also known as the Building with the Butter Cow. And we have a little red farmer barn across from the Jacobson Building. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is Katie Crow, owner of Uplift Fitness Studio. Uplift Fitness Studio is a boutique fitness studio located right in the heart of Grimes, Iowa, in the Governor's District. Uplift offers a variety of group fitness classes, such as yoga, cardio, Zumba, bar, and strength classes. All new students can get their first week free with no obligation. At Uplift Fitness, we are passionate about uplifting women in our community to be strong, healthy, and happy. We strive to make a difference in their lives by creating an environment that allows our members to obtain their fitness goals and enjoy their experience in comfort and safety. Visit our website today at www.upliftfitnessstudio.com. Welcome back to Farm Her. We have an interesting lineup today of women who are engaged in the agriculture industry in maybe ways that you don't see every day, but I guarantee that they affect the outcome of many, many things that do uh, affect all of us every day. So here on the line, we are talking to Danny Dvorak. Welcome. I'm honored to be here. Yes. Well, we're so glad to have you. And uh, our paths recently crossed. You were just on a panel at our I Am Farm Her conference. And um, I know that Carly Cummings on our team recently heard you speak at another event and was very impressed. So we're excited to have you uh, on the show today. So let's let's uh, take it back a ways and start out with you, you aren't from uh, you live and work in Iowa now, but you aren't from here. So can you tell me um, a little bit about where you're from and maybe your childhood and uh, what brought you into the agriculture space? Yes, sure. So I was born and raised in Brazil, and uh, I moved to U.S. of my life was in Brazil, and I started uh, my career in ag back in Brazil. Uh, My parents were not farmers, but my great-grandparents were immigrants from Spain that came to Brazil and ended up establishing a farm on the region where, where my family still is, still lives nowadays. And I never really planned to get out of my country. It was never a goal. Mm-hmm. But I always knew that I wanted more 
uh, I went to college to study biology and genetics. And I was naturally attracted by the egg, by the agriculture side of it. Started with animal breeding and then later in uh, crop genetics. And uh, so after college, I did my master's in agriculture and plant breeding. And one day I'm I'm there working at the department and we got a visitor and it was a professor, Dr. Todd Pfeiffer from the University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a connection then with my advisor, Dr. DiMauro. He saw me working in the greenhouse uh, in the lab. I, I believe I was doing something in the lab and he approached me and he said, hey, do you know how to cross soybeans? And I said, yes, I'm the best here. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, invited me, would like to come and, and work for me on this project at the University of Kentucky. And I immediately said, yes, absolutely. Then I went home to search Kentucky on a map. <laughs> <laughs> you backed your way in. <laughs> exactly. And I'm a very yes person. Um, I, I want to say yes to every amazing opportunity uh and i'm i have a very optimistic way to to look at these opportunities so i moved to kentucky project it was a summer uh, project on on soybean friends i learned from so many cultures so i I really had a beautiful time in kentucky and Mm -hmm. and i think i i and they also liked me so after after that project was over they offered the part time ever left. Um, I met my husband in Kentucky, and we got married. We moved to Germany, and we lived in Germany for a few years. I had my first child in Germany. Wow. We moved back back to U.S., back to Iowa, where we have been three children now, uh, John, Max, Katharina, and Benedict. Mm-hmm. And we live here in Des Moines, and we, we love it here. Um, that's a little bit of my background. There is um, probably a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more there. Um, and so, what is your position at Syngenta today? Today, I'm a plant breeder. I'm a soybean breeder uh, working for Syngenta Seeds based uh-huh. here in Slater, Iowa. Or maybe I should say I'm a breed her. Yes, there you go. In the in the theme of all things her. Well, um, I, I do something that you mentioned, um, uh, you know, off off the air was that that time in your life when you were going through grad school and stayed on for your PhD in Kentucky, it was a hard period for you, um, uh, proving your worth, conquering your space and showing your voice in another language and in a completely different culture and as a woman in a very male um you know, focused uh, area. So tell me a little bit about how you navigated that. I have never left Brazil before. And I've never been so far away from my family. Um, in addition to that, not only moving moving to another country, but I criticizing me, uh, telling me it's impossible to succeed in this career path. Mm-hmm. Why you... You're a girl. You're so sweet. Why are you going to egg? Why, 
why you're, this is for guys, this is not for girls. And uh, really um, challenging, impossible is just an opinion. Mm-hmm. I took all this advice, I took all these questions, and I went to search for answers. I went to knock on doors and ask, ask the right people their opinions, their advice. Um, but on this, on this period alone, I had the direct people that I was living on me. Mm-hmm. So I, it had to start from inside. I had to believe my worth first. I had to, to know that I could, I could do it. Yeah. And, and, and come from within and, and get that strength, um, being brave, because I'm not that brave. Actually, I think <laughs> I you are in reading about all the things you've done. You've lived in three countries. Oh, my goodness, you are. But I understand what you're saying. On the inside, it's it's hard sometimes. It was not easy. It, it was not easy, but it was not impossible. Um, I had to work my fears. I had to work my self-doubting and other people's uh, doubts or give up. Yeah. Well, I am so glad that you didn't give up. We have more to your story. We have to get going to break here. But um, you have done some amazing things. And I'm so happy that you are here in Iowa now. Uh, But we'll dig in some more about your position today and some of the ways that you help people, specifically women within this industry as well, here in the next segment. Thank you all of us for joining us here on Shining Bright. Uh, Be sure to tune in every weekend for more stories about everyday women who are doing amazing things just like Danny women who make the ordinary extraordinary we'll be right back here on Shining Bright Welcome back to Shining Bright. We are talking still with Danny, who um, really has. You said earlier, Danny, that that you aren't the bravest person, and I think I I think we all can feel that at times. But when I listen to your story, all I think about is how brave you must be. You have lived in three countries, and you know just uh, navigating different cultures navigating different workspaces, all of those things, navigating being a parent in a different uh, society than, you know, you grew up in too is in different culture is, is, um, you know, it's a lot. And so you very much are an extraordinary woman in my mind. Um, so today you said you're a plant breeder at Syngenta. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your role entails and what you do there? Yes, absolutely. I'm a soybean breeder for for Syngenta, and I lead a breeding program in in the Midwest. So basically, all of Iowa, Minnesota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Illinois. It's it's one of the largest programs in U.S. for Syngenta. Mm-hmm. And and as a breeder, I want to connect with the grower and understand the needs. Uh, of that grower, uh, of the farmers, and and the market demands. So I use this information, this connection with with the grower to design better soybean varieties. 
soybean varieties. And on the, the region, it's very specific that these needs might be. Uh, there are many cool things we do, and we use a lot of technology and big data, data analytics, CIDR, this huge breeding program that has literally thousands of decision points for millions of possible varieties we could release. Using all this data, this computer power, to to make best decisions and to deliver what the farmer wants and needs, it's it's really a highlight of of how much I enjoy uh, what I do. And I I I am on a group that's mainly men, mm -hmm. and and as as women, sometimes we need to prove ourselves more than men. Unfortunately, yep. there is still an unconscious bias, and I do have to bring every day never less than 110% and, and bringing my org organizational skills. I'm, I'm, I'm very creative. I like pushing for change and new, and new things. So there, there are many, many points that I enjoy from, from what I do today. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, you know, there, there's not a lot of women in the area that you work, but I know across the Syngenta organization, there are many women. I've met uh, so many over the last few years. And um, I know that there's programs that you guys all get involved in. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement in helping other women in the workplace? Yes, the relationships I built were the major reasons why I was able to succeed. Mm -hmm. I really believe that the, the people connection, I co-lead um, Women's Network in uh, Syngenta in Iowa. So this team, we are several ladies from different fields, different areas of, of research and, and, and different work here in Syngenta, and we just support each other. We just come together and we talk about you know the major challenges and and how do you handle this and when you when you have someone that has been through that it's it, it makes it easy well if she can do it i can do it as well and we we support each other we sponsor each other we mentor each other it's it's really really a good support and we have so many fascinating women within syngenta i also i'm also involved with other um Activities, for example, we have um, a project that's really cool with the American Agri Women, mm -hmm. and it's the Women Heroes of Agriculture, where we work towards helping, inspiring girls to follow STEM careers. So we go to high school level, and we want to tell them our story. We want them to, to relate. And, and see that it's not impossible, right? Um, so that that's really cool yeah. as well. Really I love that. And I think it's important because uh, it it's not what young women always see. I mean, there's definitely more of a push of it now than uh, I think back when I was in high school. Like, I don't even know that STEM was a word that um, anybody talked about <laughs> that I ever heard, but it, it is important. And, you know, seeing is believing and you putting your story out there, I'm sure makes a big difference for these young women. I know you also participate with the World Food Prize and the Youth Institute. Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
I love that project. So the World Food Prize has the Iowa Youth Institute. It's actually a national program that becomes global, but I'm involved with the Iowa piece where any high student from Iowa could apply. And by applying, I mean they submit a paper talking about food problems in the world. Mm -hmm. Usually we talk about um, countries that are under in development and they they have you know food problems or or any sort of uh, climate problems so they try to solve this and i work with them as a mentor as um giving advice giving that inspired inspiring boost that they might need to to keep 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 that uh, energy and and be on track for um following these careers, also um, agriculture-related mm-hmm. careers, uh, STEM careers. But these, these high students, they have so much energy. They, ha- they are so creative, and I really enjoy being there and being a little piece of you know, their success. And ultimately, they, they get a scholarship, yeah. and they can go to Iowa State University. They can go to any international research center for a summer internship. So it's a really cool program as well. You have uh, built a wonderful career for yourself and you do so much for others. So thank you. Thank you for being on the program today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yes. So everybody stick with us here. We've got more to come with Shining Bright. We're going to be talking to another woman in the professional agriculture world. Um, Some of those things, like I said, out there that are out there and they affect us all every day, but we don't always see it. And I hope you found as much inspiration from this last conversation that we had as I did. Don't forget to join us at farmher.com to hear the stories, see the pictures and join in our journey. Welcome back to Shining Bright. We are wrapping things up and uh, kind of departing from what we normally would do. We have got Danny back on the line and I wanted to talk to her a little bit more. She's got a lot of advice to give and and she's so wonderful about sharing that. So uh, Danny, you know, in thinking about the women out there who are listening and who might be going, oh my gosh, this woman has done so much. How could I ever do that? How does she navigate through that? You know, what what piece of advice would you have to leave with our listeners? Margie, my, my piece of advice is do not give up. Never give up. Scary things don't get less scary, but you will get stronger. So do not fear. Fear is our worst enemy. It makes us self-doubt. It makes us procrastinate, even self-sabotage. So you must take ownership in creating your opportunities. Do not give up. Keep going. Keep showing up. It will get easier. And and on that note, when you talk about fear and uh, that we have to push through that, do you have any tips? Like, how, how do you push yourself through that? Because I can only imagine when, when you go, okay, I'm going to move away from the country and the only home that I've ever known. 
and I'm going to go do something that everybody's telling me I shouldn't do, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that that fear creeps in. So what have you personally done to push that fear aside? I have to work on it every day, every situation. The goal is to be brave. The fear is going to be there. There's, I don't believe there's a way to remove all the fear because we want to have fear of things. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be fearless in life. But the goal is to be brave. The goal is to recognize your fear, but know your worth, know what you're capable of, and believe in yourself. Yeah. And one other thing you said, show up every day. What would you say that that attitude has given to you and your career in maybe uh, navigating something that is less common for women and, you know, obviously here in a different culture? I think for one of the greatest um, features and qualities that a person could have is the resilience is showing up every day, even when it stops being fun, even when it's hard, even when you don't want to do this, but keep showing up. It will get easier. You get you get better at it. And at one point, it's not going to be as scary, as scary anymore. So never give up. Never give up. Keep saying yes, and it is could become to become big opportunities for you in the future. And on that note, uh, you said earlier that you you make it a habit to say yes a lot. And uh, it sounds like you have a lot of things going on. You have small children. And I think this is important always for us to talk about, especially when you're talking about mentoring young women. You know, y- you can juggle this all right. Like, like it may not look pretty all the time, but you can have the career that you have and you can have a family and you can volunteer and be a part of organizations like you're a part of. Um, can I hear your take on that, please? Yes, will make your life so much more interesting and more opportunities will present as a result of this yes. So you can't say yes. You can't do everything you want. Don't stop yourself before even started just because you think you cannot do it all. We tend to, I tend to see all the good things at first. I'm very optimistic, but it's scary at first. But ultimately, it's a good thing. It is a good thing. Saying yes leads to really, really amazing things. Sometimes I always um, attribute many things with FarmHer to um, not saying no, right? Like, and on the converse side, maybe that tells you something about my personality. But and uh, and saying yes, right? Because you just do, you never know. You never know what's around that corner. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know what path your uh, journey is going to go on. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your insight, your input. This has been a wonderful episode. And again, I know that there's people out there listening that are going to find some uh, great uh, comfort in what you have to say. So thank you again for joining us here on Shining Bright. Yes. And so everybody listening, don't forget to join our Farm Her journey. First off, you can watch the TV show Fridays and Sundays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on RFD TV and visit farmher.com to read more of those stories on the blog, see the pictures from the episodes, and of course, check out the merchandise while you're there. 
And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to stay in the know. Thanks for joining us here on Shining Bright. You've been listening to Shining Bright by Farmhood. Be sure to listen Saturdays at noon and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM's Rural Radio 147 and the SiriusXM app. And now, go shine bright.